Hello and welcome to the Dynasty Baseball Pickups Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Corso, and I'm joined by my co-host, Kyle Sontag. How's it going, Kyle? I'm doing well today, man. How about you? I'm doing great. So today we're going to talk, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to talk about uh, prospects and young players moved in the trade deadline that happened this past week. Uh, overall, it was a kind of a different feel this year. Um, to me, it was a very kind of barren uh, trade deadline where we didn't get as many big trades as we have seen in the past. What do you think, Kyle? What was your what was your opinion of the deadline? Yeah, I felt the same way. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that we just didn't have as many, you know, big name stars on expiring contracts. So there weren't as many as many big moves to be made because, you know, lots of teams still have control over their best players. So why would they get rid of those guys, right? Yeah, that's a great point. And I think also it just seemed like this year there was more there wasn't as many teams that were dedicated buyers or sellers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seemed like a lot of teams were trying to hedge or, or weren't really sure where they were. So uh, w- as we go through a list of these players, we'll see some teams that definitely made a lot of trades, uh, but it wasn't as many as, as we thought there was going to be. Um, so let's get started. Uh, I'm going to go through some lists of players and me and Kyle are both going to talk about whether or not we think their um, their trade from their former team to their current team uh, makes them a buy, a sell, or a hold. So we've got everybody from high-end prospects like Kyle Manzardo to some that probably uh, are not really (laughs) rostered in many places. Uh, We didn't do every single prospect, but I think we've got uh, the vast majority of them covered here. So let's get started. So the first thing we're going to talk about is players that got moved to the Chicago White Sox. So Chicago White Sox made a bunch of trades. They acquired a bunch of players, um, particularly pitching. And we're going to start out by talking about one of those pitchers, and that is Jake Eater. So, Kyle, give me your thoughts on the move from Miami to Chicago for Jake Eater. Uh, You know, I think in real life, this move made a ton of sense for both sides. But for my fantasy team, I really didn't like seeing Eater move from arguably the best pitching development team in the league to the Chicago White Sox. There is going to be more of an opportunity in that organization. I just don't know what that development is going to look like. Again, moving from Miami to Chicago. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, Jake Eater's a great prospect. He is coming off of Tommy John surgery. Um, but prior to that, you know, some had compared him to Spencer Strider. He's got a plus fastball, elite slider. Uh, this year, you know, the numbers haven't been as, um, you know, as great as he's, he's come off of TJ, but um, he, he, like you said, the uh, the development org is quite a bit worse. The park is quite a bit worse. And then you have this injury concern on top of it. I also have eater shares and I'm not particularly happy about it. So this is an easy sell for me. Um, next up, we have a, what used to be a really high end prospect, but has never really made an impact at the major league level. And that's Luis Patino. Uh, you know, he came a- a- up as a high-end prospect in the Padres organization, got moved to Tampa Bay, uh, you know, has really struggled both in the minors and the majors with Tampa Bay, put up, you know, horrendous numbers. He's been converted to a reliever in Tampa Bay, and then he gets shipped to the White Sox. So overall, Kyle, what are your feelings on Luis Patino? You know, I I really haven't had many feelings about Patino for a while now. Like you said, he's just kind of been in a downward spiral for a long, long time. If I have him, I'm probably holding. I'm not buying. I'm not selling. This is a move where I just kind of want to see how the change of scenery affects him. Again, you know, it's it's not the greatest 
development org, especially coming from, you know, another strong org from Tampa Bay. But if Tampa Bay couldn't figure something out, I'm not sure Chicago will. At the very least, again, change of scenery should be a good thing for them. Maybe it's a fresh start and maybe something figures out over there. Yeah, I, I agree. I think at this point, I was pretty much out on Patino everywhere anyway. But if I had any remaining hope, uh, that died as soon as Tampa gave up on him. You know, I get the change of scenery thing, but I think, you know, he's at this point, he should be pretty much uh, unowned everywhere. Um, next up is another pitcher going from a good development org to the White Sox, and that's Nick Nestrini. So, well, what do you think about Nick Nestrini's move? I mean, you just summed it up. Moving from another good development org into Chicago, just like Jake Eater, there's going to be more opportunity here, but I don't trust this org as much as I trust the Dodgers. I'm selling. Yeah, I think I'm more of a hold just because I feel like with Nestrini's profile, you know, he does have an intriguing pitch mix, potentially three plus pitches, but he looked like more of a potentially reliever for the Dodgers. I think he'll get a chance to start in the White Sox organization. So I think for me, that kind of balances it out a little bit where I'm more able to say he's more of a hold for me. Uh, but I totally get the desire to sell him because the change in development or, you know, going from arguably the best to one of the worst is uh, is a major hit to his value there. Um Next up, we have a catcher who was on the move from a different LA team uh, to the White Sox, and that's Edgar Cuero. So where are you at with Edgar Cuero in this move? You know, as far as guys moving to the White Sox, this is probably the move I like the most from a fantasy standpoint because he's got a much clearer path to playing time now, whereas in LA, at best, he's part of a 50-50 share, maybe, with Ohapi when he's ready, where... In Chicago, who else do they have that's going to stop him? Yeah, I agree. I think this is a, a clear buy for me. You know, he's taken a, a step back this year offensively, but the approach still looks good. He's still very young for the level. Um, and I think he's, you know, could potentially be a solid piece of that White Sox core uh, for years to come. So I, I really like the Edgar Cuero move, and it's a buy for me. Um, we've got a couple more pitchers to finish up on that, that got moved to the white Sox. Another one from the angels is Kai Bush. Uh, so he's not as well known as a prospect, but he's probably rostered uh, in a few leagues. He's more of a back end guy. Uh, but what are your thoughts on Kai Bush? Yeah. He's not really someone that I've ever been in on because his best pitches are his off speed and his breakers. And even they only really grayed out as average. His fastball is pretty lacking and I'm not sure the White Sox or the org to fix that he's not a buy he's not a sell for me I'm holding but mainly again because he's not a guy I was ever really in on and nothing changed for me with this yeah I agree I 100% there he's a hold for me I don't think there's much of a difference between LA and White Sox or Angels and White Sox in terms of their pitching development um and he's not a guy I'm super interested in anyway um the next guy I'm actually quite interested in and that's Juan Carrella moving from the Yankees to the White Sox. And he's the last of our White Sox players here. Um, Juan Carrell is a guy who I highlighted, actually, I think on episode two of this podcast. Uh, but what are your thoughts on Juan Carrella? Yeah, so he, after Edward Edgar Cuero, is probably the, the only other guy that I'd be interested in buying. Not quite as interested as, as Cuero with this move, but... He's a younger guy with some things to fix, and it's it's going to be interesting to see you know what happens in a new org here. I again, this is this is a move I don't mind. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I agree as well. He's a buy for me. And I think the main reason is just, you know, nothing against Yankees development. They've done some great job this year with their arms, but uh, I, you, you rarely see a lot of these young players get an opportunity, unless they're elite prospects, get an opportunity to crack the Yankees roster. And I think going to Chicago, you know, he's going to get every opportunity to start. And I feel like he could be kind of one of those sneaky pitchers that, um, you know, is not going to be an ace or anything, but maybe he ends up, you know, back end or mid, even mid rotation at, at his highest ceiling uh, contributor. So I think there, there is something there with Juan Carell and I agree. He's, he's a buy for me as well. Um, so f- overall, you know, h- how do you think the, the White Sox performed with their trades and, and the acquisition of all these players? I think from a real life standpoint, they did a really good job bringing in a lot of young talent and a lot of young pitching. I think the only guy we just talked about that wasn't a pitcher was Edgar Cuero. And really he's going to help with the pitching side of things too, as long as his, his play calling and his defense behind the dish uh, are up to snuff. But I, I think real life wise, they did a really good job for fantasy. I'm not a big fan of some of these moves as far as the guys that I, I liked prior to the deadline. Yeah, I agree. Particularly Jake Eater. I mean, I think yeah. he he might be one of the biggest losers um, mm-hmm. of any prospect. Uh, all right, let's switch gears and go to uh, a different team in the same division, and that's the Cleveland Guardians. So they acquired a couple of big-name prospects. Um, so let's start out with Kyle Manzardo, who's moving from the Rays. And tell me about Kyle Manzardo. So I think something that's really important to keep in mind uh, with Kyle Manzardo is the distinction between our fantasy leagues and real life. Because when I first saw this trade, I got a little bit worried about Manzardo. You know, we talked about it last week. When the Rays trade someone away, it can be a bit of a red flag. You pay attention to that. But when you think about the real life value, defense matters a lot. And that's just not a strength of Manzardo's. When you combine that with the uh, the real life value of a steady pitcher, that Savali brings, especially to a team like the Rays who have a way of maximizing arms, it starts to make a lot more sense. So, you know, the more I thought about this, the more I I really liked it, especially because the the Guardians have basically already said Manzardo's their starting first baseman as early as next year. So I'm buying. Yeah, I mean they they moved Bell, they've got room. Um you know, I'm buying as well. I, I think this is a great move for him because we've seen it happen to Aranda. We've seen it happen to me. These guys get to the higher minors in the race system and then they get blocked. Um, I'm really curious to see, you know, what this kind of predicts in terms of uh, Xavier Isaac. And because he's also a first base only prospect in the race system and seeing, you know, what his future looks like. Is he going to go the Manzardo path where, you know, he gets to AAA and they move him because again, they do really seem to focus on that positional versatility and Menzardo just doesn't have that. Um, what yeah, I keep... think something, oh, sorry. Ahead. No, go ahead. I think something big with uh, Xavier Isaac to keep in mind is he's much further away than Menzardo is. So while right now, you know, they have, uh, they have Yandy Diaz holding down first base. I don't think he's under contract for more than a couple of years. So that might be just in time for Xavier, Xavier Isaac to be ready. Yeah. That, that could definitely be. I mean, it's hard to predict, you know, what the future is going to look like uh, mm-hmm. for some of these low-end guys. But um, definitely interesting trade, uh, interesting move, a buy for me and you. Um, one one last thing I'll just say on Manzardo, his numbers have been down this year, but there have been some off-the-field issues. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these players are human, and his underlying numbers still look really good. So I think 
you know, he's going to be a guy who's going to be a, a good flyer in uh, even redraft drafts next year. And I think he'll uh, could possibly be the opening day first baseman for, for Cleveland. So uh, don't forget about Manzardo, uh, even in a redraft leagues. Um, next up, we have another uh, high-end prospect who has really fallen off, and that's Khalil Watson. So he was moved from uh, Miami to the Guardians. Uh, what are your thoughts on this move? Uh, I'm I'm still not sure I want anything to do with Watson in fantasy, but it has more to do with, you know, kind of all the off-the-field stuff than, than the actual performance. He hasn't been spectacular this year, but he hasn't been, you know, terrible either. And this is another guy similar to uh, Patino we mentioned earlier. A change of, change of scenery might be a good thing. And Cleveland feels like an organization that won't put up with as much of the behavioral issues as Miami might have. So I think this might actually be a good thing. I'm still not buying. I'm holding. Um, I need to see something change before I buy in on Watson. But I think this is a good step in the right direction. Yeah. I, I think for me, I'm a little bit more confident um, just because Miami is just so bad at hitter development. I mean, yeah. they're they're potentially the worst in terms of developing hitters of any org. And so seeing a team like Cleveland that has had good success developing hitters uh, makes me really intrigued here. I think he's a buy for me, you know, not somebody I would be, you know, all in trying to get, but I I'm intrigued if his value has gone down a little bit, or you can get him as a throw in and something I'm intrigued enough that I would want to you know, maybe pick up a share because you know he is a guy who, I believe he was picked in the first round. I mean, he, he has a ton mm-hmm. of talent. You know, there was talks that there was, I think a top five at shortstop uh, in that draft. And and he was one of those. Uh, and, you know, like, like you mentioned, there's been on the, uh, you know, there's been behavioral issues. He's struggled on the field, but I think, you know, I would not be shocked at all if Cleveland can turn him around and he becomes a, a quality prospect again. Um, all right. So next up, that's our, our guardians. I, I think they did fairly well uh, with the trades that they made. Um, next up, we've got the Tigers. So we're going to talk about one player here, and that's how you Lee, who went from the Phillies to the Tigers. What are your thoughts on that one? Uh, this is a sell for me. How you Lee is already a batter who I don't see providing a lot of power, a lot of production. And the move to Detroit doesn't make me feel great about his development in that regard, especially if he does end up getting to the bigs and hitting in that part. Maybe he ends up hitting a lot of doubles, but I don't see him providing a whole lot of counting stats at any point now that uh, he's in Detroit. Yeah, he's a sell for me as well. I I was never a big fan, but, you know, he's a guy who's known his biggest tool is supposedly his power, but you know, he hasn't really shown much. And then going to that park, uh, I, I don't think it's going to be a great move. So I'm out on, on how you as well, maybe he gets uh, more playing time there. Um, but with, with that level of prospect, I don't think it playing time really matters that much anyway, because I'm not convinced he'll be uh, a very good big, big leaguer already. So yeah, he's a sell for me. Um, next up we have the Royals. So we're going to talk about one player here and that's Nelson Velasquez going from the Cubs. Um, what are your thoughts on this one? Uh, I want to call it a sell, but I've I've kind of been out on him for a while already. You know, the raw power has always been there with Velazquez, but he's never gotten to a ton of it because of issues with his hit tool. And KC, the org, the park, nothing in Kansas City is inspiring me to think that they're going to 
help him with those swing and miss issues. Yeah, I, I would agree there. I don't I don't expect a big skills improvement. Uh, I, I would call him a buy, but just, you know, with an asterisk next to it, just because I think he's going to get the opportunities there. You know, he's a, a second division regular kind of power speed profile. He's a guy who, you know, in most size leagues, you might add for a stretch if he's hot and then drop. Uh, I think he'll have some periods of relevance in fantasy um, that I don't think he otherwise would have had on the Cubs just because he's blocked there. So that's why I'm going to call him a buy. But again, understand what that means. And it doesn't mean he's going to be a great player. It means, you know, he might have a little bit more chance at some playing time and, and build some relevancy. Um, next up, we have the Brewers org. So we're going to talk about uh, a pitcher who got moved from Boston in the uh, Luis Urias trade. And that is Bradley Blaylock. Yeah, so the biggest concern here for me is age to level. It's not huge, but he is 22 years old in high A. He's got good stuff and landed in a good pitching development org. I like the move even more if they move him to double A pretty quickly. This is a buy for me. Yeah, this is a huge buy for me. And actually one I think is probably the most relevant to, you know, what we usually talk about on here, which is kind of those uh, deeper league uh you know, potential ad prospects. And he's, he's a guy I highlighted, I think back in the beginning of July, um, but he's a guy I really liked. And then, like you mentioned, going to a, a good pitching development org in Milwaukee, I'm really excited about this now. I mean, he, he was returning from uh, TJ this year. He came back with increased velocity. So he can, you know, he's plus mid nineties fastball. He can max out at 99. He's got a plus curve above average slider. And really the, the big knock on him was the control. Well, he hasn't walked, you know, he's at, been at two levels this year, um, you know, low A and high A, and he hasn't walked more than I think 2.3 uh, walks per nine. So he's kept the walks really in check. Um, the strikeouts have not been insane, but they've been solid. You know, the ERA and whip have been great. And as a returner from TJ, you got to think that, you know, if he was going to show bad control, it would be now. So if he's showing good control now, I think there's a lot to like here going to Milwaukee, I think is really going to boost his value. I, I think you hit on a key point that he needs the bump to double a, and he's probably not going to get enough recognition until then. But if he gets bumped up to double a this season, he starts performing there. I think he's a guy who uh, could rise up pretty quickly uh, on some prospect lists. Um, all right. Next up we have, the New York Mets. So they were really a kind of a surprise seller. I mean, they spent a lot of money in the off season to contend, and then they ended up kind of blowing it up this year. Got a lot of great prospects back. So let's talk about some of those prospects. Let's start out with the, the prospects coming from Houston. Uh, one of which was drew Gilbert. So what do you think about this move? Uh, you know, fantasy wise, this is, it, it doesn't really change a whole lot for me. The Mets farm system is fine but isn't anything inspiring. The Astros farm system, though we traditionally think pretty highly of them, really haven't done a whole lot in the past few years as far as, you know, hitting development success goes. Besides Pena, you know, Jordan and Tucker debuted four and five years ago. Um, the biggest thing for me is that his kind of ETA lines up with what the Mets are now saying is their you know, window to compete in, you know, 25, 26. So I, I think this gives him a lot more opportunity. I'm not sure it changes much developmentally in my eyes. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, 
I had this initially listed as a sell um, because I do believe Houston has one of the better development orgs. But to your point, they really haven't produced a ton of talent, um, you know, these last few years. And, and part of that could be because of the cheating scandal. Yeah. Um, they were kind of handcuffed. You know, part of that could be they moved prospects and, and win now trades. You know, they've had a lot of success. They haven't been picking high in drafts. But um, Drew Gilbert is definitely a top end talent. Um I think he's the kind of player that no matter where he goes, the development system doesn't really matter. I think he's going to be yeah. great regardless. So to me, I again, I had it listed as a sell, um, but I could see it being more of a hold. Uh, and, you know, that kind of goes into the, our next player, Ryan Clifford, who same trade is coming from Houston. Um, you know, he was also drafted uh, last year. I, I think there's a lot of the same kind of analysis with him as, as with Drew Gilbert. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. You you hit the nail on the head there. A lot of the same stuff as Drew Gilbert. The biggest thing, biggest difference for me here between Clifford and Gilbert is due to positions. Uh, Clifford, you know, he's playing some outfield now still, but I see him more as a first base only type moving forward. And that means the Mets are going to have to move on from Pete Alonso if Clifford's going to have... Uh, consistent playing time going forward so I'm still holding here but the playing time is a little bit more of a question than what I see it as for Drew Gilbert yeah and they also have Vientos there too who's kind of yes. a DH first base bat so um, that's also going to limit opportunities you know I'm curious what happens with Gilbert and Clifford because initially I would say you know they're the types that the Mets might move as they try to buy their way uh, into a contender in a couple years, but based on the amount of money they gave up for these two prospects, I kind of feel like they're going to really want to see what they can do at the major league level. And they're going to give them every opportunity to perform. Um, but we'll, we'll wait and find out about that. Um, so the other, um, or another prospect that the Mets picked up was from the Rangers. And that was Luis Angel Acuna, uh, who is Ronald Acuna's brother. Um, what are your thoughts on this move for Acuna? Uh, this is another one that I, I kind of had a hard time, you know, evaluating from a fantasy standpoint because neither organization are is an org that, you know, you you really love developmentally. The biggest thing is he's he's getting out of Texas where the middle infield is pretty plugged up, but he's going to New York where, you know, another middle infield prospect in Ronnie Maurizio is already having some trouble cracking the big league roster. And I think a lot of people like him more than Luis Angel Acuna at this point. For me, the biggest thing is I feel like most people are already either too high or too low on Acuna because of his name. They either love him or will fight back and say, well, he's not his brother, so we don't like him. And I think for that reason, I'm I'm holding because I'm kind of in between those two camps. And I don't think you're going to convince anybody on either side of that argument that this makes him a buy or a sell. Yeah, I, I think I'm leaning a little bit more towards buy just because I think uh, I, I'm not as sold on on Ronnie Mauricio. And, and I think potentially Lindor could get moved if, you know, mm -hmm. if they're going to move, um, you know, possible they move Alonzo in this offseason. I think it's possible they could move Lindor if they're not planning on contending for a couple years. So I think there could be opportunities there for him. So he's a slight buy for me. But I'm curious, out of those three, I mean, we have some pretty well-known prospects there in Gilbert, Clifford, and Acuna. 
three very different prospects, but how would you rank those three that New York acquired at this point? Uh, I'm probably going Gilbert. Uh, and then the biggest gap is probably between him and Acuna. And I've got Acuna two, Clifford as a very close three. I think Acuna and Clifford are very different players, but both possess, you know, quite a bit of skill and could be very valuable pieces in the future. Yeah, I think that's that's the order I have them in right now as well. I think I might have Acuna a little bit closer to Gilbert. You know, Gilbert looks like a really great player, but he has slowed down a bit at double A. Um, so we'll see, you know, what that looks like now that he's in a new uh, development org. But yeah, I think um, I, I would keep him in that same order as well. Um, and then we have one more player going to the Mets that's a little bit further down the list, and that's Marco Vargas. So this is one, this is another player that we had profiled on the podcast uh, together. You know, what what are your thoughts on this move from Miami to the Mets? Yeah, so this is probably the the move from a fantasy standpoint that I like the most, by and large, due to the fact that, uh, as we talked about earlier, he's getting out of Miami, a system which just can't seem to develop hitting no matter how hard they try. Again, you know, you don't love the Mets system developmentally, but it doesn't get a whole lot worse than Miami from a hitting standpoint. Um, and I really like this move for, for the Mets. I think this one, uh, this is a guy who is a little bit further away, but if you give him the time to develop, uh, this could be a move that really pays off. Yeah, I agree. I, I like this as a buy. I think out of the players moving to the Mets, this Marco Vargas probably has the biggest increase in value just mm-hmm. for all the reasons you just said. Um, all right, next let's move on. Um, so we're, getting uh, about halfway through here. So we've got up next, we've got Joe Boyle. So he's moving from the reds uh, to the A's. So Boyle's a guy with big stuff, but uh major walk issues. So what do you think about this move from the reds to the A's? Hate it, hate it, hate it, hate it. This is, you know, he's going from a, a great pitching development org in Cincy, admittedly, you know, a park upgrade from, Cincinnati to Oakland or presumably wherever they end up in Vegas. I can't imagine that park would be a whole lot more hitter friendly than Cincinnati. But as you said, he's a guy with a huge arsenal, big stuff and big, big time control issues. And Oakland is about the last organization I trust to fix that. Yeah, I I agree. And Oakland has, we've kind of seen them focus on some of these, you know, big K pitchers with poor control. So we saw them go out and get Fujinami this off season. We saw them trade for Weber Salinas, but you know, as we saw with Fujinami, they had to give up because the results were awful in Oakland and he's had a lot more success since moving to Baltimore. So I just don't trust Oakland development at all. I don't trust them to um, be able to handle this type of profile. And I don't see Joe Boyle as a effective pitcher except for maybe uh, a relief role in the future. Um, One thing to keep in mind as well, you know, you talked about the park being an improvement, but, you know, we don't know by the time, you know, a couple of years from now, when Boyle's still potentially on that team, they could be in Vegas. Mm -hmm. And we don't know what that might look like, but uh, I know the minor league numbers for the Vegas minor league team uh, are uh, very offensive heavy. So, we'll see what that looks like, but just something to keep in mind um, that with any Oakland uh, player, we, we don't really know what the future is going to hold for them. Um, all right. Next up is the pirates. So the pirates acquired a couple players. Uh, first one is Jackson Wolf, 
who is a pitcher who made his MLB MLB debut already for the Padres. Uh, what do you think about this move going from the Padres to the Pirates? Yeah, this is this is a hold for me. As you mentioned, he's already debuted, so there's not much remaining from a development standpoint. Maybe there's some stuff that Pittsburgh wants to tinker with, um, but there's definitely more playing time in Pittsburgh uh, with them being a, a less talented team, less uh, less sure things in their rotation. Um, it just it doesn't change a whole lot for me. Yeah, I, I'm kind of more in the sell camp. I just don't trust Pittsburgh's pitching. You yeah. know, I've seen them mess around with. Luis Ortiz and Rowanzi Contreras. And, you know, maybe those pitchers were never going to be great, but it's just, I think I consider Pittsburgh one of the worst pitching development orgs. Um, so even though there's a better opportunity there, it's still a sell for me. Um, and then another Pittsburgh acquisition was Johnny Severino. So he's going from the Brewer, Brewers uh, to the Pirates. He's got some intriguing power upside. He's has five, uh, five home runs in his 15 games so far this year um what do you think of johnny severino yeah so this is another guy that i'm i'm holding on mostly because he is so far away um he's he's gonna be a big kid with big power he's played three games for pittsburgh's complex affiliate and he's already got one home run and two steals it's just it's too early in my opinion to really say a whole lot as to whether or not you you want to really bump or drop his value yeah, I would agree with that as well. I mean, I think Pittsburgh is a little bit better developing offensive prospects versus pitching. Um, and, you know, Milwaukee is pretty good at developing offensive prospects as well, but they're not, you know, a standout there. So I feel like this is a good, um, this is a good hold. You know, there, there's not a lot of change in value here. Uh, like you said, he's far away anyway, so we don't know um, what he's going to look like in a year or mm -hmm. two. Um, all right. So next up, we've got the Mariners. So we're going to talk about two prospects that moved from the Diamondbacks to the Mariners that are a little bit closer to the uh, big league level. So the first one of those is another guy that we covered on a prior podcast, and that's Ryan Bliss. Uh, I know you were, were a Ryan Bliss guy. So what did this move uh, mean to you? Uh, it, it does worry me a little bit, uh, but he more or less is a hold for me. Organizationally, it's a bit of an upgrade going from Arizona to Seattle. The biggest concern is the park. If he cracks the bigs, of course, he's moving from what grades out as an average ballpark in Arizona, according to baseball savant to the least hitter friendly park in the league. According to the park factor, he was never a guy that's going to hit for a ton of power, but this is just going to suppress that even more. Maybe they're, they're able to get the most out of it because again, I, I trust their development a little bit more than, Arizona's, but I, I don't like the move in parks. Yeah, I would agree with that too. And I, I think I have some additional concern on bliss because he's kind of struggled since he moved. Uh, it's been a short stint in AAA, but he's kind of struggled since he moved to AAA. And, and as we talked about on the podcast before, you know, that double a park he's in is one of the best parks in the minors for hitters. So you wonder, you know, if that was boosting his stats a little bit, and then what does that mean for the change? Uh, mm -hmm. to Seattle. So yeah, I have some concerns there. I, I think he's going to be a sell for me as well, even though he might have more opportunity, you know, there's not as many big name uh, prospects in his way or, or big name players there. He might have more opportunity to make an impact, but you know, we've seen a lot of players go to Seattle and really struggle like 
Um, you know, Tay Oscar comes to mind this year, who who's mm-hmm. a player who's really struggled in that ballpark. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens with Ryan bliss. Um, another player going from the diamondbacks to Seattle is Dominic Canzone. So Canzone made his MLB debut this season. Um, he's shown big power at triple a, do you have some of those same park concerns with, uh, Canzone as you did with bliss? Yeah, I definitely do. Um, I do like this move a little bit more for Canzone just because he is closer to the bigs, you know, debuted already. He's been up there. Um, and there's there's more of an opportunity from a playing time standpoint here in the outfield than there was in Arizona. You know, at best, he was the fifth or sixth uh, outfielder on the depth charts in Arizona. And now he has a, a reasonable shot at near everyday playing time, at least to end this season with some of the guys that are that are out. Um, so he's got a shot to make the most of his opportunity and give himself more of a chance going into next year. Yeah, I agree. He's a buy for me as well. I think just just the more opportunity, the fact that he's there at the big league level. Uh, I'm not completely sold on on the player himself, but I think mm-hmm. he'll get every opportunity to show uh, what he can do. Um, so we'll move it on. We're going to uh, the Cardinals. They acquired a number of players. Uh, the first one we're going to talk about is coming from your team, the Blue Jays, and as a player you highlighted previously as well, and Adam Kloffenstein. So how'd you feel about this move as a Kloffenstein fan? As a Jays fan, as a Kloffenstein fan, not a big fan of moving him. I didn't hate the move as a whole. Um, just not a big fan of moving him specifically. But from a fantasy standpoint, I'm fucking Kloffenstein. Um, I do like Toronto's pitching development a little bit more than St. Louis's, but he's another guy that, you know, as we discussed in the prior episode, already has average to above average grades pretty much across the board. So there's not a whole lot more that needs to be done from a development standpoint. And St. Louis uh, provides a, a much clearer path to a big league opportunity, whereas Toronto is already working in a six-man rotation. So I think this move creates a lot more opportunity for him to debut, you know, maybe even early next year if they give him the bump to AAA and let him uh, show what he's got there to end out this year. Yeah. I agree. I think he's a buy for me. Um, better opportunity, better ballpark, better division. You know, I I think generally St. Louis values good defense. Um, so that would help as well. But I do wonder about, you know, St. Louis's pitching development. I think the fact mm-hmm. that he's closer makes it a little less of a concern. Yeah. Um, but they tend to focus more on like control guys versus, you know, strikeout guys. Um, so y- you have a lot of more kind of um you know back end types than you do really you know uh mid rotation or front of the rotation type starters but you know those back end types generally tend to perform fairly well so i think Kloffenstein's a good fit there i think um he does well and i think he's a buy for me as well um next up is Takoa Roby uh so he's coming from the rangers to the cardinals uh it, famous for potentially having some huge fan graphs grades. So they gave him, you know, plus fastball, elite curveball, above average command, above average other pitches. So he's got some big stuff. Results haven't necessarily been there, but what are your thoughts on that move of Takoa Roby to the Cardinals? Yeah, I think a lot of the same can be said for Roby as Kloffenstein as far as the the opportunity goes, though he is further away from the bigs and does need some more development. But that's exactly why I like this move for Roby. I, I do trust the St. Louis development or more than Texas. I don't love them, but 
again, I, I like it more than Texas. Yeah, I would say St. Louis is probably middle of the road in terms of pitching development. And Texas is one of the, the lower ones. I mean, I would say maybe St. Louis is a little below average and Texas is one of the worst, but uh, I agree. I, I think uh, for me, I don't know. I, I think it's a little bit more of a hold just because I want to see if St. Louis makes any uh, changes with them. And like I said, they haven't had much success on getting um, some of these higher end, uh, you know, guys with big stuff to really perform at a high level. Um, with their development. So we'll see what happens there, but he's a, he's a hold for me. All right. Next up is another player going from the Rangers to the Cardinals. And that's Thomas Segezi. Uh What'd you think about this move? Uh, this is probably a buy for me due to mainly playing time. You know, he's, he's not a guy that I've ever been in love with for fantasy. I think he's probably a better real life player than fantasy, but he actually reminds me a lot of someone already playing up the middle in St. Louis and that's Tommy Edmond. And I think if he turns out to be that kind of player, a lot of fantasy players and people in the St. Louis org would be thrilled. But uh, overall, I, I think this is a, I've got a little bit of an up arrow next to his name after this move. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I, I have him listed as a hold. Um, I just, he's a guy like you that I've never been, you know, super intrigued by. I don't see this shifting his value a lot. Obviously he gets out of some of that log jam in Texas, but St. Louis has a bit of a log jam of their own. And I think in terms of developing hitters, they're probably fairly similar. So it's a hold for me. Um, doesn't change much. Um, so we got a few more uh, Cardinals players that they acquired uh, three coming from uh, the Orioles. So we've got first up Zach Showalter, so Zach's an intriguing arm. I mean, he's he's gotten some buzz lately. I've picked him up in a couple leagues, um, but I'm not sure about this move to the Cardinals. How about you? Yeah, I'm not sold on it either. I think this is a hold for me. He's he's just too young and too far away for the the current rotation situation to really matter. And it's you know it's not exactly an upgrade from a development standpoint moving from Baltimore to St. Louis. So I want to see what happens there before I, you know, really dive in and want to buy this player yeah i will say i don't know that baltimore has had as much success on the pitching development side as the hitting obviously they're one of the best development orgs for for hitting but i mean we haven't really seen grace and take off yet dl hall um looks like a reliever and you know that's kind of it in terms of like their top uh pitching prospects so i don't know that it's really that much of a development downgrade um, but it's still a hold for me. I, I don't know. Um, you know, he's so far away, like you said, and, and, you know, still establishing himself. So we'll see what happens there, but it's a hold for me. Um, a couple lesser known prospects moving again from the Orioles to the Cardinals. Uh, one of them is Cesar Prieto. So what do you think of this move by, uh, Prieto? Yeah, this is another one that I'm I'm viewing more as a hold than anything else. And is by and large due to the fact that I'm just, I'm not, crazy about Prieto in the first place you know he's he's another middle infield back kind of in that same mold of uh an Edmonds AC where I'm, I'm not sure how much impact how many counting stats they're going to provide for you but again you know similar to show Walter he's a little bit further away and I'm not sure that you can look into the the playing time possibilities much at this point yeah I do think there's an easier path than there is in Baltimore uh, yeah. Just because they they are so loaded um, in that middle infield with with prospects, um, really the entire roster. Um, 
And I like the fact that St. Louis has had success with some of these, you know, not huge tools guys like Donovan, um, like Edmund. So I think, um, you know, I could see a world in which Prieto has some value in the Cardinals. So he's a slight buy for me, but um, not again, a prospect. I really like that much and not someone I'm, I'm trying to acquire. Um, and then the last one moving from the Orioles to the Cardinals is Drew Rom. So he's a pitcher. Uh, what do you think about this move? This this doesn't change anything for me. Rom is not a guy that's ever really excited me. He's got some okay, you know, secondary stuff, but his fastball is just bad. He he's not someone that I've ever been interested in really on on any level. And this move doesn't change that at all. Yeah, I would agree. He's a hold for me. Not a guy I really like. You know, could possibly sneak his way into like you know, being a fifth starter or something like that. And again, St. Louis has had success with those types, but yeah. not a player I'm excited about at all for fantasy. So he's a hold for me as well. Uh, and then finally, we have a couple of players, uh, really fringe guys moving from the Cubs uh, to the Nationals. And the first of those is DJ Hers. So what are your thoughts on this move? I, I see this move you know, pretty, pretty similarly to the guy we just talked about and Drew Rom. He's just not a guy that's ever excited me. And he's not exactly moving to an organization with a great track record here. But, you know, because he's not someone I was really interested in in the first place, I, I find it hard to say he's a, a sell just because I, it, it doesn't change much for me. Yeah, I would agree with that. He's a hold for me. He's got major walk problems. You know, his biggest claim to fame is he's got just this elite changeup. Um, he's a guy who has looked intriguing in the past, but he looks like a reliever, and I don't see enough in Washington's development organization to change that. So he's a hold for me. And similarly, the last guy, Kevin Mate, uh, also moving to the Cubs to the Nationals. Um, not a super intriguing prospect, and I don't see enough in Nationals development organization to change that. How about you? Yeah, I, I feel exactly the same way. Outside of a, a decent approach, there's not much reason to get excited about him. And as you said, moving to Washington is not exactly a boost in value. Yeah, he was a guy, you know, who looked like he might have the, that kind of average across the board profile, but it really hasn't developed. And now he's looking like he'll be lucky to be like a bench utility type. So um, yeah, nothing more to, to talk about there. A um, couple of holds for both of us and not either one is all that exciting. So that's our trade deadline um, recap in terms of value change for a lot of these prospects. Um, so just to kind of wrap it up, I know we talked a little bit about this already, but what's the move you like the best for the player's value and what's the move you like the worst? Uh, let me just scroll back through my notes a little bit here. I think the move I like the worst uh, is probably Boyle going from Cincy to Oakland. There's just, there's no part of that that seems positive to me. Um, as far as what I like the most, um, you know, I, I like the Vargas move to the Mets. I like the Klaffenstein move to St. Louis. Um, and I like the... I think probably the biggest up arrow I've got is Blaylock moving to Milwaukee. Yeah. I think Blaylock's my, my biggest um, improver as well. The one I like the most. And I think the one I like the least is uh, one of the first ones we talked about. So maybe you hadn't scrolled up that much, but uh, Jake Eater. Um, that yeah. one was another one that I, I think it is a pretty big loss in value. Yeah. I think he's probably the, the biggest 
most important name with the biggest down arrow. I just think there's, you know, more of a hit to what Joe Boyle's potential value could have been going to Oakland. But I think you're right that as far as current value goes, Eater is probably the biggest down arrow. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, for Boyle, it could be the difference between relevance and non-relevance, right? Yes. Whereas with yeah. Eater, it's more of you have a really exciting prospect to one that, you know, you're a little bit more nervous about. So um, I could definitely see that as well. Well, that'll wrap us up for today. Um, thank you for listening. Please go ahead and rate and review us on your podcast platform of choice. Uh, I'll link our social medias in the uh, podcast episodes as well. Uh, thanks for listening and we'll see you next week.